the unofficial Bengals podcast. Welcome to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over some headlines. We're going to do a mid-season review of all the position groups, and we're also going to preview the upcoming game against the 49ers. What's up, guys? This is Evan McPherson, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. All right, so the bye week is over for both the Bengals and the unofficial Bengals podcast. The bye week is good for the players. It's bad for the fans because we get bored not seeing our team play. But now we all get to gear up for the long haul, 11 straight weeks of Bengals football, and then the playoffs. All right, the Bengals are 3-3 three and three and the 10th seed in the AFC right now. So as you see, as the season goes by, we just keep climbing the ladder. And you think about it, of the teams ahead of us, I know you have the 6-1 and one Chiefs, and that's a little bit of a problem. You know, if they keep on their pace, then we're going to have to probably go into Arrowhead and play a playoff game there. But aside from that, every other team that's in front of us is only one game up in the loss column, meaning they all have two losses, we have three. And if you look at the AFC records of the teams in front of us, most of them have two AFC losses as well. Even though we're 0-3 in the AFC, you know, we're not that far behind right now. I know it's still early, but you can see we're climbing and climbing. we got a couple tough games coming up right now. We win these next two, we're making a statement, and we're on our way to the top of the AFC. So I'm really not worried at this point. I think that we stayed close enough to make a nice run and to be where we want to be after 17 games. All right, so I didn't do an episode last week after the Seahawks game, but it was a pretty ugly win, but those are the kind of games that you have to win. You don't want to lose your home games. You don't want to lose to a team that you're better than. And, you know, the offense came out strong in the first half. The defense picked it up in the second half. That defensive line was just incredible. All of them had like six, seven pressures each. It was a great game by everybody on defense. Big game for Cam Taylor Britt. He had the big moment with Metcalf, brawling with him all game, following him all over the field. That was great. Burrow was 15 for 15 at one point. Wilson, 11 tackles. Pratt all over the field. Hilton with that major interception that saved a score late in the game. And then Cam Taylor-Britt with an interception and a pass defense in the end zone. So it was a good game by a lot of Bengals. Everyone contributed to this win. Kappa was excellent. Chase and Boyd, seven catches each. So I know that game is kind of ancient history, but I just wanted to reflect on the fact that even though it wasn't a pretty win, it was a win, and there was a lot of outstanding performances by our guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I think some pretty cool quotes came from this game. Joe Burrow says afterwards when everyone is saying, oh, you won ugly, the offense didn't look pretty, Joe Burrow just very simply says, I'm never going to apologize for a win. Then you have Cam Taylor Britt after he gets punked by Metcalf, and those guys were brawling all day. Instead of retaliating and getting a flag and getting all hot-headed, all he said was to Metcalf is, stop crying. So Coach Anarumo, one more quote from this game. On the last drive, he says to his starting four, Reeder, Hendrickson, Hill, and Hubbard, he says, I'm not going to put anyone else in there. Go win us the game. And that's exactly what those four guys did. So some pretty cool quotes coming out of this game. We got the win. It was an excellent result. We move on. We had the bye. Everyone's rested now. 
People get to heal a little bit. Hopefully Orlando Brown comes back in one piece. That was the major injury. Burrow another week to rest the calf. Higgins another week to rest. You know, just a lot of good things for the, for the team as far as having a bye this week. We seem hungry. We seem prepared. The Niners dropped a couple in a row and didn't look as invincible as they did in the beginning of the year. So everything is looking good for us right now. And as I said at the top of the show, you go into San Francisco and win that one, and then you beat Buffalo on Sunday night, those are two statement wins. We're on our way, but we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. And later in the show, we're going to talk about the Niners game. So that's all we need to focus on right now is going into San Francisco on Sunday and beating the Niners. All right, let's go over some midseason performances for the Cincinnati Bengals 2023 season. I know it's not the eighth game, it's the sixth game, but it is the bye, and it's a good time to talk about how everyone is doing so far. This is like our early grade on everybody, although we're not actually going to give out grades. We're just going to talk about who's doing what and how the team is looking. So first off, the coaching. You have Coach Taylor. He's keeping the team together. You know, you can love or hate his play calling. I'm a fan of it. And again, there's times where we're saying, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. But you can't run the ball when you're in second and long and you're in third and long. You know, a lot of times we get hamstrung and we're not able to run the ball by not having a productive first down. And that might be some of the reason why fans are complaining about his play calling. But nothing's changed. He's evolving as a play caller. You know, this is his fifth year doing it, so he's going to continue to get better and better. I have no problem with the play calling. But on top of it all, as a game manager and as someone that's controlling the culture of the locker room, he is just top of the league. He's outstanding, and it's really helping this team. And you're going to see as it goes on. I mean, when we started off with the 0-2 record, the team could have tanked. We could have fell fell down. You know, Joe Burrow's hurt. We lost a couple games. We lost divisional games. We don't look good. He kept everything together. And when you think about it, we're 3-1 and over the last four weeks. So excellent job for Coach Taylor. Coach Anarumo continues to be one of the best defensive coordinators in the league, and the halftime adjustments just keep getting better and better. He's got the young guys playing well. He's got the veterans playing up to their capabilities and beyond. Another excellent coaching job. I think Coach Callahan is doing a good job. I know he got on the team and said some things publicly about he was disappointed in certain players and certain things. But for the most part, he's contributing to that game plan. I know what's the stat. Like I think we're scoring like 16.5 points a game or something. So you can't be saying that the offensive coordinator is a superstar when you have those kind of numbers. But when you think about a compromised Burrow and a compromised Higgins and everything that's been going on, I think we're doing a good job and it's just going to get better. So full faith in Coach Callahan as well. Coach Simmons has a young special teams unit. You know, he replaced two major special teamers in Mike Thomas and Stanley Morgan and didn't really have a drop-off. We've let up one or two decent returns, but aside from that, our coverage has been pretty locked down. He's got the kicking unit playing well with McPherson, Robbins, and Adam Midas. That whole operation is pretty seamless. You know, you don't have Harris and Huber in there anymore. you got two new guys, and really nothing's changed. The, the field goal unit, the extra point unit, is all doing solidly. You know, we're getting decent returns when the opportunity arises. We got a return touchdown. Trenton Irwin had a couple big returns. So I think Coach Simmons is continuing to do a great job in his 20-some-odd year of doing it and love to see him around for the long term. All right, on to the players. Quarterback Joe Burrow. We know that he hasn't been right. He's still not right. I just can't believe how miraculously he healed over one week. He had a really rough game against Tennessee, and it just looked like, wow, he's not going to get his mobility back. We're in trouble. And then the next week, he bounces back and, and looks like the Joe Burrow of old. So don't get down on Joe Burrow. He is the superstar. He's the face of this organization, and it's been a little bit of a tough go. Like I said, that calf has hurt more than we all thought, and he's toughing his way through it. 
and it looks like he's on track now. And if his health continues to stay the way it is, he's going to be playing excellently. He's thrown some beautiful passes this year. He has the velocity. He has everything. It really has been a matter of him not having the mobility in some of those earlier games and the offense hasn't looked good as a result, and you know the way it is. You have a couple down games, no matter who you are, and the media and some of the Fairweather fans are getting all over you, thinking that you lost it or it's a lost season. And Joe Burrow just perseveres. He is the man. Do not worry about him. And on top of that, look at what he did for Kwame Lasseter and what he did for Yosivash. Lasseter, he calls an audible just to get the guy a catch in his home city. And then Yosivash, Joe Burrow runs and gets the ball. Like, how many diva quarterbacks would not do that? You know, would not see the ball on the ground and go running over to get the ball to hand it to a young player for his first touchdown. You think Aaron Rodgers would ever do that? You think Tom Brady would have ever done that? You think, I'm not even going to go on. I could name 30 quarterbacks who would never do that. And Joe Burrow did because he's a good person and he's a good leader. And you do things like that and people want to follow you and people want to root for you. All right, on to running back. Joe Mixon, although he's not putting up Pro Bowl-type numbers, he's productive when he touches the ball, both in the air and on the ground. No one wants to tackle him. He's still running as hard as he did when he was a rookie. He's a punishing runner. He makes big plays when we need it. So Joe Mixon is having a great year, even though the, you know the people that rely on stats might say otherwise. I think that Joe Mixon is contributing heavily to this team and will continue. He's healthy, even though he's getting up there in running back years, as they say. I think he's having an outstanding year. And I'm surprised we're not using the other guys more. You know, Travion Williams returning kicks, but, you know, there's no kicks to return, really. He gets a little bit from scrimmage. I thought they were going to use Chase Brown more. Maybe they don't trust him in protection. And again, Chris Evans continues to be the lost guy on the roster that for some reason they just don't use. Wide receiver, Chase is having an amazing season. You know, not the same numbers as he's used to putting up because Burrow was a little compromised and everyone in the world is keying on Chase. But what we're doing with Chase as far as moving him around and involving him as many ways as we can and getting him as many touches as we can, we see how productive it is. The hands are there. The athletic ability is there. He's another guy that defensive backs don't want to tackle. He, he keeps doing those spin moves. He, he's got the run after the catch. He's capable of a highlight real play on every down. So he is the man, and I think he's having an outstanding season. Higgins has had a rough one. You know, he's had a few drops. It hasn't quite been a great year for him. He got hurt. So this is one of those years, unfortunately, in a contract year, where he's, he's having a little bit of a down year. And there were flashes early where I was like, oh, he's, he's better than ever. You know, running great routes and high-pointing the ball. He had a couple games like that. But it seems like, you know, we remember the drops more and, and the, the game with zero receptions more than some of the good things that he's done. And now his body's a little bit compromised. So I hope he gets healthy. It's not fair to him. He's played his tail off as a Cincinnati Bengal. And because of the way the season's going so far, it might cost his wallet a little bit. And that's unfortunate because he's very deserving of a big contract. And he's very deserving to stay in Cincinnati. And don't be thinking that we're going to be trading Higgins or letting him go. It's, it's not a good move. And Mr. Tobin, I know you're listening. You'll remember that the unofficial Bengals podcast said that. we got to keep Higgins in the building. I don't care if he's having a quote-unquote down year. Tyler Boyd continues to grind over the middle and make the tough catches and get the first downs and be reliable. Just business as usual for him. He can make a big play when needed. He can make a big third down catch when needed. 
Trenton Irwin outstanding whenever he's called upon, as he's been his whole career. You're going to see him get more and more action, and I really hope they keep this guy in the building. And the punt returns from Irwin. The first game that he returned punts, he had two that were over 20 yards. So he's productive, he's blocking, he's doing everything that you want. And as I've said a million times, keep this guy in the building too, and it's going to be tough because there's going to be a team out there that's going to want to pay him six, seven million to get him in their building. And that's going to be a little expensive for us if we're going to keep the big three in town. Yosivash, exactly what I expected. You know, a phenomenal preseason, but with everybody in front of him, I knew he wasn't going to get that much action. I'm glad he got the one touchdown that was a heady play against the Seahawks. He finds Joe Burrow's eyes and improvises and gives Joe Burrow an outlet towards the sideline. Just a veteran, savvy play, exactly how you're supposed to play wide receiver. So his opportunities will increase, if not this year. They will a little bit this year. But moving forward, you know, look for him to be more of a factor in the offense. And you can see he's starting to get the gunner thing, too. You know, he's getting downfield. The last game, he you saw him really try to strip the ball. So we're seeing progress in all aspects from this phenomenal athlete. And it's going to pay dividends in the long run, maybe even this year. And if Higgins continues to have problems with his health, look for Yosibosh to get a lot more action. Charlie Jones, unfortunate that he went on the injured reserve list. He'll be back eventually. He did have that electrifying punt return. Another guy, they didn't use him as much as we thought they were going to use him because there are a lot of guys in front of him. There's a lot of people that are going to get touches and catches before he does. But again, he showed that he could play in this league, and we'll see what happens when he comes back. All right, as far as tight end goes, Herb Smith Jr. has been a little bit of a disappointment, and I hate to get on him. It's early. Hopefully he picks it up. But he had a reputation for dropping the football, and he's had a couple key drops in games for us. He had a reputation for being injured, and he's already missed a game because of injury. So I'm not liking the early returns. You know, I wasn't a huge Uzama fan, but he was more productive, and Hayden Hurst certainly was more productive, and I thought we were going to get that out of Irv Smith. We have not yet. I hope it picks up because I don't want the tight end position to be a non-factor in the offense because we've seen last year with Hurst how much of an added weapon it could be for Joe Burrow, especially if they're doubling Higgins and doubling Chase. Drew Sample doing what he always does. He's a blocker, very rarely going to have touches. Mitchell Wilcox has been getting a little action here and there. You know, those guys aren't really going to rack up too many receptions. They're going to do most of the grunt work. And Tanner Hudson, you know, the one game he was in, he flashed and, you know, once everyone got healthy, they, they buried him again. But I'm hoping that he sees more time because, truthfully, out of all four of these tight ends, he seems like the biggest threat offensively. Offensive line, Orlando Brown having a great year. Not perfect. You know, we all thought when we signed him that he would never let up a pressure or a sack. When I had my friend Sands, Super Bengals fan and football expert on, he did say that Brown isn't going to be perfect. He's going to let up some pressures. He's going to let up some plays. And that has happened. But it's not a turnstile on the left side. You know, you can trust him. He is going to make a mistake here and there. But for the most part, you can trust that he's going to play good football. His run blocking has been excellent. His pass blocking has been excellent. Volson has flashed. He's He was good for a few games. He had a couple down moments. You know, he was getting beaten in one of the games pretty badly. The flashes of what, he, what happened to him as a rookie. So I just want to see his arrow progress. And I thought it was, you know, but when he had that one down game, or a couple down games, I, I started losing a little bit of confidence in him, but I don't want to because he's going to be a mainstay here. He's still a very young player, and he has played well. It's not like he's a train wreck out there by any stretch. Karras is having a great year in the middle. Kappa is the 
all-pro of this offensive line. He's He should make the Pro Bowl, and it's going to be hard because it's one of those things where they grandfather in people, especially at, at a non-glamour, non-stat position like guard. But Kappa, if you watch down-to-down, is the best offensive lineman on this team, and he's playing outstanding. Jonah, up and down. You know, there's games where I'm like, oh, it's Jonah Williams again, and there's games where I'm like, you know, Jonah wasn't that bad this game. Still someone that I'm hoping, and I hate to say it, he is a nice guy. I'm hoping this is his last year in stripes. And then the backups, Ford, Carmen, Sharping, Hill, Smith. When Orlando Brown went down, I was really surprised that they didn't put Jackson Carmen in there based on how well he played left tackle at the end of last year. And it looks like Cody Ford is the first guy off the bench. It was shocking to me because I thought he struggled in preseason. He didn't have that bad of a game when he went in this time for Brown. I think he played like 17 snaps. And he didn't give up any pressures, according to the stats. But I, like I said, I would have liked to have seen Carmen in there. And I was shocked to see that Carmen was inactive for a few games, too. So I guess they really don't care what he did last year. And it's it's what have you done for me lately. And uh, Jackson Carmen is almost like Chris Evans. They, they just don't think that highly of him in the building. And it's reflected in his playing time. And like I said, I wasn't a huge fan of Carmen, but I thought he played very well last year. He was our best offensive lineman down the stretch. All right, on to the defense. This defensive line is outstanding. Hendrickson having a Pro Bowl season. Like I told you, the sacks come in bunches. So, you know, there could be a point where he has three sacks and people don't think he's playing well, but he is. You've got to look at it on a down-to-down basis. And he even said it himself. He just wants to disrupt the quarterback. It's not about getting sack numbers or people thinking that he's the next Miles Garrett. It's about just making the quarterback make mistakes on a play-by-play, down-by-down basis. That's exactly what he's doing, and the sack numbers are actually there this year, but it doesn't matter. From down to down, he is outstanding. And speaking of outstanding down to down, DJ Reader, it's such an unsung position, but he gets pressure on the quarterback. He eats up the double team. He stops the run. He's just an absolute force in there, and he's going to command a big salary when he's a free agent, and I'm hoping that he's someone that we can keep in the building. You know, we're going young on defense, and you're seeing that in the secondary and the drafting of Miles Murphy, which we'll get to in a minute, you can see that they're trying to go cheaper on defense because they have so many big players to pay on offense. But you got to keep some of these veterans in the building, and Reeder is one of them. I know they have Hendrickson and Hubbard signed for a couple years, but Reeder's coming up, and they have to do what they can to keep him around because he is a force for this team. And B.J. Hill, you know, when it was him and Ogunjobi, the decision to keep one of them, I was on Team Ogunjobi, I hate to say it, and if you look at what happened since then, Hill is, has shot up. And Ogunjobi's been good, but not like Hill. And Hill is getting pressure. He's doing everything that he can in there. He He's playing at an extremely high level. And I'm glad that we have him. Hubbard is outstanding, too. And he doesn't get all the big sack numbers from the defensive end position, but he gets them when they count. He's excellent at stopping the run. And it's like, just like last year, late in the game, he shows up more. It's like his conditioning must be so intense and and so much better than some of the players that he's playing against because it just seems like you know he does his thing for the first few quarters plays well and then in the fourth quarter he just breaks out because everyone's worn down and for some reason whether it's his motor it's his psyche or it's his training and conditioning or all four of those things he's just been outstanding late in games and I'm so glad that he's in the building as well as far as the backups go Camp Sample's doing what Camp Sample does he comes in he plays inside, he plays outside, and he's productive. You know, he's got some pressures, he's got a sack. Not going to be at the top of the charts stat-wise, 
but he's a productive player and one of those role players that you need to fit into the defensive line rotation. Tupo was banged up a little bit this year, but when he's in there, he's productive too. He is like a like a junior DJ reader. You know, not the same capability, but when he's in there, he eats up the double team. He helps prevent against the run. You know, he's not a liability when you put him in there. So another great rotational player. I thought Zach Carter had a good first couple games. He's kind of been a little less active the last few games. But, you know, you kind of expect a little more out of a third rounder. He is in his second year. We'll see what happens with him. But he's another guy, a rotational guy, that's that's excellent to put in there. And he can play inside and outside, even though they mostly have him on the inside. Jay Tufele, not getting a lot of action, but productive when he's in there. Miles Murphy, uh, just the, the rookie learning curve, I hope, because he really hasn't shown up in games. He did have the one sack. It was a hustle play. And if you remember, Hendrickson was about to have a strip sack, but Murphy cut him off. But that's what you do. You don't just let the quarterback go. But I don't. the jury is still out on Miles Murphy. I, I've seen him just get eaten up on some plays. And you know, whenever he's in there, I get excited, and I'm hoping that the light goes on. The light has not come on yet for Miles Murphy, but it is only six games into his NFL career. And again, I'm going to go back to Sands, my football expert. He says he only has one or two pass rush moves, so he's going to need to develop more moves and... Let's see what happens in the future. We're just going to, I hate to write off his rookie season, but the way he's playing right now, it just doesn't seem like he's going to be electrifying this year. But hopefully, this is a building block for the future, and he becomes that productive first round player, that dominant player that we're hoping. He does have the physical skills. He's learning from the right teammates. He's got great guys in front of him. He's got great coaching with Coach Hobby, Coach Anarumo. So we'll see what happens with him. He can only get better at this point. And then Joseph Osai. I'm going to be nice, even though you guys know how I feel about Joseph Osai. He has absolutely been a non-factor when he touches the field. And, you know, love him or hate him for what he did in the AFC Championship game. You know, the jury's out in my book. But he was having a good game up to that point, and you kind of thought that he was turning the corner, and he was going to be poised for a really big season. And truthfully, up to this point, he's been invisible. Linebacker, Logan Wilson, playing as Logan Wilson does, getting the interceptions all over the field, high tackle numbers, hard hits, good coverage, just doing everything that he's supposed to be doing. He's worthy of that contract. He's staying healthy. He's picking up exactly where he left off last year and is a dominant linebacker in this league. And Jermaine Pratt, I'm glad we got him back as well. And we got him back for a relatively low price, and he's having just as good of a year as Logan Wilson. Davis Gaither's been battling some injuries, so he hasn't been really productive as of yet. Marcus Bailey, spot duty, but doing all right when he's in there. You know, mostly on goal line and special teams, but hey, that's his role. The team loves him, and he he contributes when he's in there. Joe Bocci, another guy, special teamer, goal line guy, and he had a really big play last game as well. And then they picked up Devin Harper as the other linebacker, who he comes, he has a major penalty in his first game, and then he gets injured, so... So far, uh, not a good grade for Devin Harper. But again, it's it's just two games into his Cincinnati Bengals career. All right, corner. I'm excited about corner. And I'm just going to keep saying this point until it starts catching on. Aside from like your Deion Sanders and your guys that are just absolute elite coverage guys, what you look for in a corner is can they cover and can they tackle? And if you look at our corners, they all do that. Taylor Britt. Awuzie, Hilton, Turner, 
all four of those guys. DJ Turner, what a surprise. Second round pick. You put him in there, there's absolutely no drop-off. He has the one-on-one tackle of Derrick Henry in space. He's smaller, but he's he's aggressive, and he's making tackles, and he's making plays, has not been a liability. Just really one of the biggest surprises of the year was how quickly he caught on to the NFL game and how well he's playing. Taylor Britt, they have him shadowing some of the number one receivers a lot. He's let up his share of passes, hasn't let up many big plays, but continues to make big plays and make big tackles and be a force in that secondary. And he's just going to be one of those one of those guys that's playing corners for us for a decade, and we're just going to reflect on his career like a Leon Hall and just you know remember how outstanding that he was. But he's still only a couple years in, so we get to appreciate how he plays and what he does for, for quite a few years to come. Awuzie has been battling injury. You know, he comes off the knee injury, then hurts his back. But when he's in there, he's been solid. And again, a guy that can cover really well and tackle and has not let up too many big plays himself, even though you could tell that he's not 100%. Mike Hilton's doing what Mike Hilton does, living in the offense's backfield, you know, working against the slot receivers. Again, he'll let up his share of receptions, but he won't kill you. He's not letting up big plays. And that last game against Seattle, I thought that his interception, you know, right by the goal line was like a game saver for us when it happened. Jalen Davis hasn't seen that much action, and unfortunately one of his main spotlights was letting up a huge touchdown pass play. But, you know, he hasn't had that much action, and, you know, it's not fair to judge him by one bad play. And DJ Ivey, another one of those guys who was pretty good in the preseason, but you knew he wasn't going to get much from scrimmage. So barring any injuries, you're probably just going to see him on special teams for this year. But it's a good learning year for him, and we saw enough in preseason where we think we might have something here for the future. Not every rookie is going to come out and be outstanding. Some of these guys are going to be projects for the future. You, you know, Yosivash has, has been good, but you can see he's going to get better. Same thing with your Ivies, hopefully your Murphys. You know, they're not all going to be DJ Turner come right out of the gate and amaze you. That's, that's rare for a rookie, no matter when they're drafted, unless their name is Joe Burrow. On to the safety position. I would say the biggest surprise on the team so far for this season has been the play of Dax Hill. Dax Jesse Bates Hill. He has been, there's been no drop off. He barely makes a bad play. He's all over the field. He's rangy. He's athletic. He's hard hitting. He plays in the offense's backfield. He covers guys deep. He's just all over the field. He's an intelligent player. He's instinctive and athletic. And I am just so surprised and so happy that he's working out the way he has. Nick Scott, I thought, played well in the first few games and then had a few missed tackles as the season went on. Still better than I thought he was going to be. And he's battling with Jordan Battle, pardon the pun, for that position because Jordan Battle's starting to come alive. I don't think he's as athletic as Nick Scott, but Battle's a hard hitter and he's been instinctive when he's been in there and he hasn't been a liability when he's been in there. So this safety group with Hill and Battle for the future is looking really good for us. And Tyson Anderson, I know he had the two interception game in the preseason. You knew he wasn't going to get much from scrimmage this season. He's playing mostly special teams at this point, but he's on the roster if we need him. He's athletic, he's aggressive, he's a hard hitter. And if pressed into duty, we'll hope that he gets a couple interceptions if he ever has to start or play in key situations from scrimmage. Special teams, McPherson is McPherson, just one of the best kickers in the league, flat out. You know, when you line up for a 57-yarder with him, you're not too worried. Cal Adamitis has been really no drop-off from Clark Harris. Maybe not as pinpoint accurate with his snaps, 
but no unplayable snaps out of Cal Adamitis. And I hope that continues for 13 years, just like it did for Clark Harris. He learned from the best. And Brad Robbins has been a little bit of a disappointment, a little bit of a liability in field position. Again, six games into his career, he's got an electric booming leg. He's just had, in my opinion, too many bad punts so far. And it's been good weather, so that's alarming. You know, I don't know what's going to happen when you're playing in freezing conditions on the road somewhere later in the year. I hope that doesn't affect him. I mean, we got to give him a break for the Cleveland game because that was a wet ball. But aside from that game, he's had a few not-so-great punts. He's had some really good ones as well. You know, he hasn't had too many touchbacks. He's getting people inside the 20, which is really what you want out of your punter. But he's enabled some punts to be returned. And there's been some punts in key situations where you're like, oh, man, he punted at like 38 yards. All right, so let's quickly talk about the game against the 49ers. So the 49ers are 5-2. and two. They're near the top of the league in points scored and points allowed. You know, they're kind of considered one of the best teams in football, although they struggled the last two weeks. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for us. You know, is it, is it a downward trend where they're not as good as we thought and they're going to keep sinking and we're catching them at the right time? Or are they a team that's going to refuse to lose three in a row and just come out absolutely playing their best? It's a national game for us. It's a road game on the West Coast. It's a time zone game. The Niners are coming off a short week, so there's a lot of factors both ways, in our favor and against us. They have an outstanding head coach and play caller in Kyle Shanahan. Steve Wilkes is an outstanding defensive coach. John Lynch is really doing well in that front office for them. So that's the nuts and bolts of the 49ers. Let's talk about their offense and defense. So they have Brock Purdy as the quarterback, and I still don't totally believe in him. And I guess it's not fair because he's Mr. Irrelevant, seventh rounder. You know, the purists, maybe I'm one of those that it's like, he he can't be a seventh rounder and be this good. He's surrounded by a lot of talent. I think he's, he's got average abilities. I mean, he is a winner based on what he's done. He does make great decisions, but he doesn't have the physical talent of some of the other quarterbacks, but maybe you don't need that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't watch Brock Purdy on a, on a game-to-game basis, but for some reason I think that that balloon is going to burst and he's just going to come back down to earth, and it showed up a little bit over the last two games, and hopefully our defensive line can really make that show up this game. McCaffrey's battling injury, but still very productive, and he had that big fumble last game, and I realized why he's such a great player. In the post-game interview, when he's talking about it, he looked like he could break through a, a, a cement wall. Like he was just so focused and angry and on fire and intense. You saw it in his eyes and in his expression why he's such a great player because he is absolutely intense. He can kill you in the air and on the ground. You know, our run defense is going to have to be what we expect it to be. He's going to be dangerous catching the ball out of the backfield. He's going to do some damage. Behind him, you have Elijah Mitchell. They don't use him that much. I'm not that worried about him. You have Juszczyk. This is one of those teams that has the fullback, like our beloved Ravens and Steelers. There's only a couple left in the league, and they use Juszczyk very effectively as a blocker and an occasional ball carrier and an occasional reception. Receiving, Ayuk is having a great year. Debo Samuel's hurt with the shoulder. I don't know his status for this week, but it would be nice if he didn't play. Jennings gets his share of receptions. They use Ray Ray McLeod a little bit here and there. 
And then, of course, tight end, you have Kittle, who's a very dangerous tight end. He is like a poor man's Kelsey, and he can absolutely destroy you on third down or basically on any down. So he's going to be someone that we're really going to have to pay attention to. You have Trent Williams, the best tackle in football, battling an ankle injury, but he's going to be there, and he's going to be battling Hendrickson. So that's going to be a really fun matchup to watch. If you look at the rest of the offensive line, I think it's vulnerable. You know, you look at the Niners roster as a whole, and it's like, wow, there's very few weaknesses on this roster. But when I see it, I'm like, that offensive line is perhaps the weakest unit on this team. And that might be the secret to winning this game, is defeating that offensive line with our outstanding defensive line and our creative blitzes and getting to Purdy and making him make mistakes and getting turnovers and, you know, limiting his production. That's really one of the keys to this game. And I think we match up well with their weapons. We just need to contain McCaffrey through the ground, through the air, like I mentioned. Don't let Kittle beat you on third down. And we're going to get to Purdy. And then whether they're playing or not, and I think most of these guys are going to be playing, Williams is hurt. He's a little compromised. McCaffrey's hurt. He's a little compromised. Samuel's hurt. So those are three of their top offensive players, and they're banged up right now, whether they play or not. So we're catching this team at the right time. You know, they're slumping right now. They have some key players hurt, and our arrow's starting to rise. So hopefully it's the perfect storm for the Cincinnati Bengals to win this game because we really need it. All right, defensively, Bosa is a game wrecker. He is the key to this game. You know, he could mic up Parsons us, and no matter how good everyone else plays, if he's just destroying Jonah the whole game, we're not going to win the game. Javon Hargrave is outstanding in the middle. Eric Armstead's a very good veteran. They have Cleland Farrell, who didn't work out with the Raiders, but he's doing all right in this system. They bring in Drake Jackson on third downs. Their linebackers, outstanding. I mean, this defense is just almost flawless. Warner, one of the best in the league. Greenlaw's an animal. Oren Burks is having a great year. Secondary, Chevarius Ward's having a great year. Old friend from the Kansas City Chiefs. They have Lenore, Isaiah Oliver not playing badly. Gibson as a safety. We saw him with the Browns. We see him here. It looks like his arrow's pointing up. Hufanga's a big hitter. So that, that defense, there's really no weaknesses. Maybe the corners would be the biggest weakness. You know, maybe you run at Farrell a little bit. But it's a really good defense, and it's no wonder this team is playing so well. And it's no wonder that Purdy doesn't have to win the game with his arm alone. You have a great defense, a great running game, and some really good skill players. You know, you don't have to be Joe Burrow if you have all that around you, and that's what we're seeing with Brock Purdy. So analysis, that defensive line is going to be trouble for Joe Burrow. Let's admit it, no matter how good our offensive line plays, they're going to go at Jonah. They're going to win some matchups. They're going to be creative up there. There's just four really good players that are going to be tough to stop. It's going to be a tough game for Mixon to make a lot of hay, but you can't abandon the run game. Bosa has the opportunity to wreck the game. I think he's going to really destroy Jonah. If Orlando Brown is compromised, he goes against him. That's going to be a tough matchup. Linebackers are outstanding. The defensive backs are helped greatly by their front seven. I think Chase and Boyd have a good chance to do well in this game, and I think yards after the catch are going to be key because I don't know how much time Burrow's going to be able to have to sit back there and hit Chase 20-something yards downfield, but maybe he hits him on a seven-yarder and Chase takes it 50 yards. Like I think that's going to be one of the keys in this game, lots of yards after the catch, and both Chase and Boyd are very capable of that, and Higgins if he's healthy enough. Strategy offensively, you got to go shotgun again almost all the time. 
I say four wides, sometimes five wides. If well, Four wides with someone in the backfield helping Burrow is probably the best bet. Quick throws, let Burrow be the point guard. Lots of shifts and motions. we got to confuse these guys. Uh, maybe a trick play. Here's a crazy thought. What if we start the game with a flea flicker to Trenton Irwin? Right, it worked last year. It worked this year, but we missed the pass. First play from scrimmage. Make it look like a pedestrian run to Mixon. All of a sudden, he flips it back to Burrow. Bosa's going after Mixon because he's so aggressive. And no one's thinking about Trenton Irwin. All of a sudden, 75-yard touchdown, Trenton Irwin, 7 nothing Bengals. How's that to start the game? And I still say try to get Mixon 15-plus carries because you, you can't just let Burrow sit back there and, and be a target the whole game. And you don't want to have time possession issues as well. And I still think you find a way to dial up a couple long passes to chase, but only after you've proven that you have some kind of strategy to slow down Bosa. Keys to the game, in a nutshell, stopping Bosa, protecting Burrow. Getting the ball into the wide receiver's hands quickly, establishing the run, even if it's not chunk plays. Get pressure on Purdy. Use the Belichick philosophy on McCaffrey and sell out to stop him and let the other guys beat you. Really watch Kittle on third down in particular. That's one of their main targets, and you'll see that all game long. You know, we'll see him in a third and 12, think we have him stopped, and it's a 13-yarder to Kittle. So you got to be very aware of that. We need to win the field position battle. Bradley Robbins, it's time for you. And win the special teams battle, too. Prediction for the game. Bengals find a way to score a few. We get to Purdy. We win the matchups with our wide receivers, and we win the matchups against their wide receivers. Burrow gets out of the game in one piece, which I believe is more important than even winning the game. Hey, I'll take three and four with a healthy Burrow rather than four and three with a limping Burrow, right? I think you guys would too. So here it is. The Bengals bend, don't break. We hold up in the red zone again. We get a bunch of field goals. They get a bunch of field goals. No one's putting the ball in the end zone. The defenses are too dominating. 1916 Cincinnati Bengals 4 and 3 bring on the reeling Buffalo Bills. Let's go. That'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.